a short passage of Scripture out of 1 Samuel chapter 27. It's not a passage that you read real often. Uh, in fact, I don't think I have ever preached from this particular verse. 1 Samuel 27, verse 9, David smote the land and left neither man nor woman alive and took away the sheep and the oxen and the asses and the camels and the apparel and returned and came to Achish. And Achish said, Whither have ye made a road today? And David said, Against the south of Judah against the south of Jeremiel and against the south of the Kenites. My subject is that question out of verse 10. Whither have ye made a road today? God bless you in Jesus' name. What was Achish asking David? He was asking him, against whom have you made progress? What kind of path did you clear out today? What did you do that moved you closer to a place of victory and overcoming and empowerment? What did you accomplish in removing obstacles and things that prohibited your progress? Whither have you made a road today? Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 11 says, and the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought and make fat thy bones and thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not and they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. He said, your crowning achievement of your life, what I will label what impressed me most about you is what you did to the roads in front of you. How you affected them. Uh, road construction, of course, we realize begins with road destruction 
a friend of mine posted on Facebook, and I think he was kidding, but he had a dream that the Lord transported him to the year 2055. And when he came back, he woke up and he told his wife, they were still working on I-10 between Lake Charles and Houston. My wife and I just celebrated our 48th wedding anniversary, and right after that, we moved to Texas Bible College in Houston 48 years ago, and they were working on that highway, and they're still working on that road, and you trying to get through Orange and Vider and Beaumont, and it's just, it's just completely enjoyable, you know. Take plenty of water, have a full tank of gas, turn on enlightened radio, sing along with Bill Gaither, coming home, coming home. Roads need work. They have to be maintained. Just because you built a great highway at one time, you can't forget it. It's, it's like Highway 165 that goes from uh, Interstate 10 at Highway uh, all the way to the Arkansas line, I call it Speed Trap Parkway because I've been blessed to have a Bible study with a blue light special somewhere in every little town all the way through. Then they four-laned it. You just got to get off of that uh, cruise control when you go through uh, Pollock and Georgetown and Urania and Allah and Columbia and York. You just got to get off of that cruise control. But boy, it makes it nice coming to Monroe. I, I remember when, and I know those of you that went have gone to our campground in Tioga many times you probably when you came in the ball you turned right on the ball cutoff road which to call it a road was a real stretch it was windy full of one lane bridges it was rough it was it was just a mess of a road and then a number of years ago, they built a bridge over the railroad track on Tioga Road. So you can go up to Tioga Road from Monroe, turn right, go straight across to Hickory Hill and put you right on the campground. It's, it's really nice. And just before you get to that overpass on the left, you will pass Sonnet Drive. That's the exact spot where Joan kissed me for the first time. <laughs> I, I thought it was a little early, but she insisted, and uh, 
But that you talk about make a difference in getting to the campground, brother Chance, just, just that little roadway there. I'm glad somebody thought about that. There's a lot to be said about the importance of bridges. I wonder how many bridges I crossed yesterday between Moss Bluff and Monroe. There's no telling. Uh, I didn't take the time to count them, but I can uh, I can assure you there were well over a hundred bridges and overpasses. You need them in your life. You need help getting over and through some things. I am probably preaching to someone here today. You need some help in getting over some situations in your life. Getting through some situations in your life. There's a lot of depression and oppression in our world today. I, uh, I, this morning I went on, or maybe last night on Facebook, to discover that we had lost another of our transformant men in our movement, Brother Paul Price. Did you read that? Uh, these are visionary men in the apostolic movement. We've lost a lot of them. We've lost close friends through that. But I want to tell you something. This is a bridge builder. This will help you to get through and over and above and beyond. There's some sad commentary in the Bible, and I don't think there's any more sad than in the 16th chapter of Luke where the Bible talks about two men. There was a rich man and there was a beggar. The only thing they had in common was they both died. And the Bible simply says that Lazarus died. The angels carried him into Abraham's bosom, which was obviously a place of peace and rest. The rich man died, and all the Bible says is he went to hell. Vastly different. The rich man was in such torment till he, he looked up at Abraham, and I don't understand the theology of this whole scenario, but the Bible said he could see Abraham and Lazarus, so I just choose to believe that he could see Abraham and Lazarus. And uh, he, he said, Abraham, could you send Lazarus? and have him dip his finger in some water and touch my tongue because I'm in such torment. And then in verse 26, uh, Abraham spoke to the rich man and said, Beside all of this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed 
so that they which would come from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. He said, you just can't get there from here. It's like San Antonio, Texas. Uh, I've, I've always felt like it, San Antonio, Texas, uh, years ago, made kind of like a wagon wheel and spokes went out. And My wife and I went out there on our honeymoon after we'd been married two or three years. We couldn't afford one at first. So I finally stopped on the side of the road and I said, you know, I'm pretty good with directions, but I don't think you can get there from here. And Abraham said, even if we tried, we couldn't get to you. There's, there's an emptiness. There's a gap. There's a chasm. And he was looking for somebody to bridge that gap. Whither have you made a road today? What have you prepared in your steps toward God? How have you prepared to make it easier to trust God than you've ever trusted Him before? What have you worked on that will make your relationship to Jesus stronger and more founded? What have you done in behalf of your children this morning that will make their path to Calvary easier than it was before. I think about a young man that is mentioned in 2 Samuel chapter 9. His name was Mephibosheth. He was the grandson of Saul, the first king of Israel. When he was just a baby, war came to his family and his nurse grabbed him up and ran to find him a place of safety. But in her running, she dropped the child, causing his feet to be crippled. And uh, they were crippled for the rest of his life. And he wound up in a place called Lodibar, which means sheep without a pasture. It was a place for cripples and misfits, people that it wasn't like it is today. Thankfully, we make room for people to have as normal a life as is possible. Uh, handicap parking. And if you ever see me get out of my vehicle, you'll think, you know, if anybody needs a blue sticker, he does. Well, I'm not really handicapped. I just got two gimpy knees. And, or as my grandpa would say, I got a hitch in my giddy-up. Uh, but Mephibosheth was crippled. In the ninth chapter of Second Samuel, David looked around at his servants and he said, is there any of the house of Saul 
that I may show the kindness of God to him. One servant named Ziba said, Well, sir, there's one boy, but he doesn't qualify because he's at Lodibar. That was the equivalent of being at what used to be called Carville. I don't know if it still is. Leper colony down in South Louisiana. He's in Lodibar. He's crippled. So he's not qualified to sit at your table. And the king in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 11, said, As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. He made a way for him. He moved some rocks out of the way. He moved some concepts out of the way. He changed and rearranged some thinking and uh, made a place that the table for that little boy, that young man with crippled feet. You see, you have to work to keep it together. There's a lot of distractions in our world today. And uh, in everything you hear and see and are told... Uh, is not necessarily fact. You know, just because you read it on Google, that's not like reading it in the Bible. There are things that you deal with. These children, the reason they need prayer so much is because they are growing up in a generation that assaults their mind and pours things into their mind and their heart and I learned this you know you learn a lot more from your kids than you ever did your parents that's just a fact and grandkids I have a six-year-old girl a granddaughter she was the first Mahoney girl born into my family in 67 years So she lives under the illusion that she is the queen of Sheba. And she is smart. Uh, I'm not saying that because she's mine. I'm saying it because it's true. And uh, we were having a discussion about vaccinations the other day. And uh, her parents have an opinion. Everybody's got an opinion about vaccinations, yes or no. Uh, I tell you what this COVID has done. It's made some smart people look kind of silly. And uh, I'm going to be all right. I had it before we even knew what it was. I had it a year and a half ago. They called it type A flu, and I was in isolation for five days, 
in the hospital in Lake Charles, and they didn't know what to do with me. And I told my wife, honey, go get the car. I'm leaving. This hospital's going to kill me. you got to watch hospitals. I love our workers and people that work so diligently, but when they don't really know what's going on, they just make me nervous. One man's opinion. They just, they just make me nervous. When I need them, I need them. But I told her that I was going. The doctor said, no, sir, you cannot leave. You're in no shape to leave. I said, sir, just get me some papers to sign and we'll do this the easy way. I got to get out. Well, this was in January before we had ever heard the word COVID or any of that. I, I just knew something wasn't right. And, uh, but eventually it was determined. And, and then I've, I've gotten vaccinated. I don't guess that makes me uh, the Antichrist, but I, uh, I, I, tr I watch myself. I, I, I got a mask. I got a black one made out of this material here. And this is what my wife gave me. And uh, I, I want to use common sense. I really do. But I want to tell you, I've seen, uh, let me get back to my granddaughter. She, she had an opinion wherever she got that opinion. People talking about vaccination. She said, I tell you, they're just liberals. She's six years old. Where do you get that stuff? Everybody has an opinion. Put your trust in the Lord. Lean not to your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge his path his ways. He'll give you the desires of your heart. I've helped bury some of my dearest friends from this disease. But I'll tell you what. Jesus told us when to start trusting him, but he never told us when to stop trusting him. Praise God. Praise God. In Matthew chapter 13, the story is told of a sower that went out to sow seed. The Bible says that some of the seed fell on the wayside, which is the turn row area, unplowed area. The Bible said the birds came and took it away and destroyed it. Then some of the seed fell on stony ground where there was not much earth. And uh, it came up quickly, but it scorched and withered. And some of the seed fell among thorns. And the thorns came up and choked out plant. Then some of the ground fell on good ground and it brought forth 160 or 
thirtyfold. And there's a lot of ways to preach and teach that, but have you ever thought that perhaps you could work on the ground? You could move some stones. You could pull up some thorns. Maybe you do not see a clear path to victory for your family, but perhaps you could make a road. You could work at clearing a space for them to get there. I'm telling you, you can get to him from wherever you are. Your wayward children can get to him from wherever they are. This lady didn't even have the decency to wait until the proper time to receive the Holy Ghost. You know, I mean, we got protocol here. You know, you get baptized and then you, you get the Holy Ghost. But you know what she did? She made herself a path directly into the throne room. Whither have you made a road today? Have you helped a situation? You have to keep your mind uncluttered. I've pastored longer than I've been an evangelist, but I will make a couple of little pastoral statements here. You're not going to get spiritual strength from CNN or Fox or NBC or the Lake Charles American Press. Personally, I, I have begun a long fast of all that stuff. I found out it was depressing me. And the more I learned about COVID, the less I knew about COVID. And these people are saying this. And, this, and I don't want to be dumb. I don't want you to look at me and think, well, that man, that guy needs an education. I think I've got the greatest education that I've ever had because I don't want my mind cluttered with stuff that causes me to wake up depressed and feeling uh, bad about the world in which I live. Because I'm not going to do that. I want to clear a path in my mind. I want to move some stones and pull out some thorns. I, I want to plow up the fallow ground of my heart so he can come and rain righteousness upon my family. When my mother was buried 11 years ago, we all knew that she called our name in prayer every day of our life. And at that time, there were 24 immediate members of my family. And I promised my sisters and my children and grandchildren, and uh, I didn't have any great-grandchildren at that time, and I promised those 24 that I will take up that mantle and every day for the rest of my life, I'm going to call your name in prayer. 
And I'm not going to ask God to give you a new swimming pool or a new pickup. I'm going to ask God to make a clear path for you to get to Him. To help you to learn patience and strength and steadiness and consistency and walking in the Spirit. And then some of my nieces and nephews kicked into gear and took over Noah's commandment from God and decided to replenish and multiply the earth. And that 24 has become 71. And I told my sister, would you pass on the word to your kids? It's... uh, It's making a problem. Oh, I could quote them all for you right now. Kids I've never laid eyes on, babies I don't know, but they're in the family. You know what? I want them to have a clear shot to Calvary. I want to help them bear their cross to Golgotha. I want to make a road for them. I hate to see families get twisted up and falling out. It happens, okay, I understand it. It's happened in my family, it's happened in your family. I just, I just hate that, it bugs me. I, I think about two sisters, one of them accidentally spilled some ketchup on her sister's new dress. And it created such a rift that for seven years they did not speak. And I, 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 I have a lot of things that I would like to say about that, but I will refrain. I don't. I, I hate that. In my fam, I've got a little thing going on with some of my family members. I pray against that every day. I take dominion over it. I plead the blood over it, Brother Chance. I won't. I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't agree with what all of my family is doing. I've got two grandsons. Their hearts tender toward God, but they're not doing right. And I told both of them that the next time you start speaking in tongues, I'm going to hit you right between the eyes with a pine knot and preach you a first-class funeral. We'll talk about it when we get to heaven. And they said, oh, my God, Big Daddy, don't say stuff like that. I said, well, it's more important to me than you getting a business established. I want to build a road for me and Joan. We need a, we need a good, easy way to get there, an unencumbered way to get there. You're in a place this morning where a road can be built in your behalf. If you'll plant your roots right here in Christian Life Church, if you'll plant yourself behind this pastor and pastor's wife, they'll help you clear a path. Can't make everything easy for you. We can't live for God for you. But sometimes you just have to pick up a few stones, throw them out of the way. 
our communities in southwest Louisiana have had plenty of practice with men grabbing chainsaws and throwing them in the back of their pickups and driving through the streets and roads of Calcasieu Parish, cutting trees and making it easier for folks to come through. This church will do that for you, Brother Toby. Praise God. Whither have you made a road today? What can I do, Brother Mahoney? Well, they said Rome wasn't built in a day. Christians are not built in a day. But you know what? You can help a little bit. You can just, just help a little bit. Putting a pencil in a child's back that has the anointed prayers of God's people upon it. It's a great way to help clear a path. You teach your children to trust God. You teach them to lean on the Lord. You recognize without Him you can do nothing. And when Jesus says nothing, what He really means is nothing. He said, nothing shall be impossible to them that believe. Will you stand with me at this time?